Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined Paul and Lauren as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in the midst of today's crazy and mixed up world. And part of this crazy and mixed up world is dealing with people that annoy us. Is that not the case? Of course. So our, our episode is called Dealing with Difficult People. And uh, when I emailed to see who was who was up for this, this episode, Paul writes back and says, well, I was, I'm generally considered a difficult person, so. Yes, I consider myself difficult. I'm most difficult on myself, though. So you're hard on yourself? Very hard on myself. Mm. Very high expectations. Mm. Like perfectionism? No, sense, I know or? I'm not perfect. So perfectionism is not the goal? Because oftentimes that no. is a is a way that people are hard on themselves. No, I gave up on that 20 years ago. Okay, that's good. Because for <laughs> anyone that doesn't know, uh, we shouldn't be seeking perfectionism. Right. We should be seeking Christ. Yeah. And the more we become like Christ, the holier we become. But And I would say, too, uh, we're limited in our reason because we, we're like locked in the physical world, but there's a spiritual right. world. So you might think of like, oh, I screwed this up. And like you dwell on it, but... Maybe that's an opportunity for growth or a humiliation, yeah. which is helping sanctify you. And maybe sanctify someone else, right? So yes. if we have we have annoying habit that gets on everyone else's nerves. Maybe, you know, maybe we're, we're leading someone else to holiness accidentally. Yes. Which brings us to the question of who do you find most difficult in your life? You don't have to name names. Unless if, if it's me, tell me, please. It's not you. Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. Definitely not you. Do you have coworkers or uh, family members? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm I, I, I would any... say that I, I don't know if there's a couple of people I could think of, but that are I'd say there's it's more circumstantial when I find people difficult. Really? I don't so I don't know. It's not have, like a like, difficult person, it's just a the person at times will Yeah, be there's to there's you. certain qualities that will like pet peeves that will set me off. So what are some of your pet peeves? Laziness. Uh, one. Okay. Yeah. Lack of urgency when necessary. For me, not responding to email within like 48 hours is a huge pet peeve. Well, that's straight up rude. Me. Please tell my family there's, that. There's a certain courtesy. <laughs> Sorry, did I just throw on the bus? <laughs> communication. <laughs> I'm, I get annoyed with that too. And I have this sense of like, okay, I mean, a lot of us work outside of the church, the three of us here. I mean, outside of work for the church, we do a lot of things. So there's emails to keep everybody you know, um, moving along about what we're trying to accomplish, which is generally good. Right, for so, the salvation of souls. For these know? people that I know that all have jobs, it's like, I'm, I'm going to assume that you respond to your work emails within a certain amount of time because you have to do that. But why are you not responding to well, this, this email think, that's outside yeah. of work? Like I mean, the I same there's, there's, cordial there's, rules apply. But there's a lot of email fatigue. So not at my, my, I'm not fully ramped up at my current job. I've been there just over three months. But my last job, I was getting like 150 to 250 emails a day. Whoa! So like to, to even consider responding to a personal email after dealing with one of those days, and that was like daily. And like when it's upwards of 300 emails a day, oh. like when I have to deal with personal email, I'm just not doing it. I'm not looking at it. I don't think about. It. I'll respond to a text message, but email, it's like a. It's oh, that's good to know. Okay, so I'll, I'll traumatic. It's funny you say that because you're like one of the most responsive people. I, I'm very responsive, and that's funny. I wasn't. If you, you notice, back yes. in like the spring, I was very unresponsive. And everybody has different jobs, different demands. Yeah. Like I get that, but I've just and, and sensed a general lack of. I I don't just think it's. I don't know a lack of cordiality. Is that a word? Like yeah. just yeah, yeah. responding. When you know you should. And everybody has different pet peeves. 
Like it doesn't bother some people. So, so what are some pe- other pet peeves? Like Lauren, what are you? We've ramped up one of mine. Well, I'm <laughs> often like, I'm planning things, you know, whether it's youth yeah. group or something at St. Cecilia's or like yeah, the a young, young adult, adult party. Dance, right? And young it's adult. like, I'm giving my time for all of you people. I know. I just yeah. need a little bit of help, a little bit of responsiveness. Yeah. I think, I think it's, so I get, I get it when people do um, commit to something and then they don't follow through. That's a big, so if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing something and then I don't have anyone that actually said I'm going to help you with this, then I'm not as bothered. Mm-hmm. I might still get a little bothered, but I'm not as bothered. But um, let's say you actually have a team of people that are meant to do something. And there's people that's like, can we please meet next Sunday at 2 p.m. by Zoom to discuss this very important thing? And then it's just crickets Yes. for like a week. Oh, my gosh, I want to scream. And then I'll like scold people. I'll be like, please respond. It is very rude not to respond to text messages like this. I know you saw it because I can tell on WhatsApp that you read it. <laughs> so please respond. Found out. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. I mean, I can you can track this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, uh, I think too, there's a bit of letting go. Like I will try to reach people other ways. Yeah. You know, or I try different things or like, I know this is an unresponsive person, so don't rely on them. Mm-hmm. You know, try to work around things and not let them get to you. Um, I would say there are personality types that I definitely find difficult and there's a lot of them. Um, so like people who are like always downers, like everything's a no or the mm. most negative. Mm. And it just kind of gets exhausting if you're yeah. talking and it's like, okay, not everything is that bad. But, you know, <laughs> in those situations, it's probably not worth it to try to convince them. It's like you just, yeah. I usually have my breaking point though, I will say. It's like, take it, take it, take it. And then, you know kind of engage or um if, if i may say honestly you're very <laughs> yes. funny when you get ang- frustrated not angry frustrated oh, i guess that's good i <laughs> would not say that most people say that oh no you um uh what else mean? oh i would that's mean or not i don't know no. i'm not sure well, well, just being i'm glad to entertain you i mean i certainly get animated i know that animated Maybe that's yeah the right i get animated um also people that are like uh ruled by their anxiety mm. i Generally, don't have a lot of patience for that. I mean, I know that's bad. I I don't think I'm harsh with people. You know, I try to be understanding or whatever, but it's like, oh my gosh, you're telling me you're anxious about coming to a party where you're going to have fun with your friends? (laughs) It's like, I, I, this is illogical. Like, yeah, yeah. And if you've like reached a point of maturity, you're a grown adult, like you've done this before, like, Come on, step yeah. out of your comfort zone a little bit. Like, we've, we had an episode about that. We did. Stepping out of your comfort zone. Shyness. Yeah. Like, just do it, you know. Sure. Or if sure. someone's relying on you in those situations, I, I'm just like, I come on. Yeah. Do it. I don't do well with people that are high drama and high maintenance. Oh, that's another great one. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty chill person. Like I'm, I'm really low maintenance. Like, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and we just kind of do our own things. And so, you know, and thankfully, I have to say, like, you say you guys have coworkers that challenge you. I have the best coworkers in the world. I, I love everybody at my parish that I work with, everybody at the school where I work with. Oh, that's amazing. But, that's but, great. But there are some parishioners who, you know, are, are very needy, mm. you know, and, and and sometimes it's legitimate and most of the time it's not. You know, it's just kind of there. They need to be, rec- either whether it's recognized or, you know, they're just seeking attention or seeking validation and so they need it from the priest or whatever. You need to meet all the time about their different issues and and, you know, and at, at first, obviously, you want to be like Christ to them, and you want to be, be a listening ear. But after the same meeting where they discuss the same thing three times, you're kind of like, okay, now it's time for you to take the next act step on and it. act on it and try to find some solutions because it's not just all about talking about your problem. Now you have to fix the problem, right? And that's not uncharitable. 
I would hope not. Yeah. No, definitely not. Because at a certain you point, talk, if, get a therapist and pay hundred bucks an hour, right? That, you could talk. And to if you want to change, it's up to you to change. Right. And right. You have time and other commitments, so out of respect to you, they should understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And and truthfully, if I can be totally honest on the air, that's why I don't do a whole lot of spiritual direction. I've I've had a lot of people ask me, and and frankly, I don't feel called to it, and I'm also busy with a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that don't really want spiritual direction. They don't want to grow spiritually. They just kind of want to talk about their life and mm-hmm. not find any solutions to it. And maybe it's because I'm a man and like m- men like to solve problems. Mm. But when a person comes to me with a problem, I'm like, okay, well, here's what you need to do to solve it. And they're like, no, I just want to talk about it. I'm like, well, that's well, I not think what I'm here for. The other thing that spiritual direction does, in my experience, is it does show you your own um, like lesser qualities. Yeah. And uh, force you to confront them. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to do that. They don't actually want to be told that they're not so great. I mean, just yeah. we we all succumb to this. Like we are the center of our own lives. I think too much in a lot of cases where it's really like we are nothing. We are creatures created by God. God is everything. God is everything in us. That's how it's supposed to be ordered. Amen. Yes, we are nothing, but God makes us everything. God makes us great. Right. Anything but good we, we have in us is because yes, but we have that disordered. Right. Generally speaking, most of us do. So we're the center of, you know, our focus all the time and many people miss their their own faults. Yeah. And I would say many people are not open to learning them. Mm. And that's mm. that I I've found is very tricky in dealing with people. As you're listening to the overdramatic person or the super anxious person or the really needy person that has a lot of questions, like and I'm not trying to sound like I've got it all figured out, but I have worked on myself, I would say, quite a bit and been in spiritual direction and had this this happen to me, you know? Oh, yeah, with the, your, your spiritual yeah. director. Yeah, and be before to honest. face things. Yeah, like even not so long ago, I was told, well, you have a lot of pride to work on. And I was like, still? Me? <laughs> like, I know, like three years ago when I came in here, I thought I was like so great because of Ultimate, playing professionally, like such a high inflated sense of myself. And because I could do this silly game really well, I thought of myself as better than other people. Like, I really would look mm. at them like, how can you not do this? Like, I can do it. <laughs> right? But it's like different skill sets. Actually, really hard have, to play Frisbee yeah, at high level. We all have different talents and I gifts. Tried. and It's hard. Yes. But uh, no, it, it hit me because I can see... Also, like through going through spiritual direction and spiritual exercises and growing in my own spiritual life, um, being taught like these are kind of the ways that humans get things out of balance, let's say, mm-hmm. um, it becomes easy to identify them in others. Mm. Well, you learn. you So you can just see them, right? So I can see qualities in other people and then it gets knocked back on you. Like, oh, yeah, you still have a lot of pride to work on. I was like, damn. And that's one thing about, you know, when we're talking about these, the, the difficult things we find in other people is that a lot of times we have a lot of difficult faults too, mm. you know, and, and I'm sure that I do things that really annoy other people. I try not to, but I'm sure, I'm sure I do. Mm-hmm. So, so when we deal with these challenging people in our life, because everybody's got them, what virtues do you see God forming in you with this person in, in, in your life? Patience. It's a big one. It's always patience for me. Really? Yeah, yeah patience. Also, it's, I don't know, I don't know if empathy is, it's not a virtue, but it's a quality. It's a good quality, I think. I think. it could be considered a or virtue. Or perhaps yeah. compassion. Compassion. Like, compassion. I really wasn't compassionate in the beginning of this episode, right? I was <laughs> explaining <laughs> difficult people. Um, I asked the question, it's my fault. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I think those, 
those two would be helpful. I had um, my last job. There was a few people at the firm who were. There's a difference between people that are difficult to deal with because there's a personality mismatch. Like some people just don't get along well, and there's not they're not necessarily doing anything wrong. Yeah, just being themselves and like yeah, they have things to work on, but like it just doesn't work. Sure, sure. And then there's some people that are like uncharitable. Yeah, intention almost that's a, intentionally. That's a big difference. Yeah, right. And so there was a few people at my last firm that were uncharitable intentionally, mm. and that was. And and there's people I know that I've worked with that I just don't get along with. I don't work with well, and they irritate me. But they're not doing anything wrong necessarily. But once I started to see this emerge of these people, and they started to get like a loud voice at the firm that were very uncharitable and not treating people the way they should treat them, mm. that's when I was like, okay, there's a big problem here. Yeah, and. I kind of had to get away from that a little bit. That's fair. Um, I got away from it in the firm, and then I left the firm. So, yeah. So I think there's a difference there. But you grow. Because well, it, it's it's important to grow, and I think it's good to grow in compassion and patience with the people that have those different those personalities that don't match up very well, and just traits that are not bad. They're just different. Versus like calling out and correcting people that are being rude uncharitable well, something like that. well recently there's come up a term toxic people right yeah you know and and, yeah, and toxic culture that would be a big one yeah and, and a toxic culture and, and people who just are, are toxic and and i'd love to ask you you're this this thought um you know sh- i mean christ obviously tells us to love our enemies and and to love all but when it comes to toxic people do we have to spend time with them or should we try to purposely avoid them it depends on if it's affecting you mm. so if these toxic people are bringing you into sin then it's probably wise to disassociate with them yeah. to some extent. I mean, it just, like, if you have friends that are doing bad things, don't... Don't hang out with them. Yeah, You could still <laughs> love them. You could still do things one-on-one or do different things, but don't engage. Yeah. Because it it bring you into sin. And, be like, and, and you're, you're probably prideful to the pride point and being like, no, 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 I won't, I won't, I won't do that stuff. Hmm. And then all of a sudden... Yeah, they drag you into it. What do you mean by toxic? I think it means different things for different relationships. Like you had mentioned, people that are always downers, mm-hmm. you know, who who have seen everything negative and complain about everything. That can be really toxic, mm-hmm. right? Because then you find your mood being dampened. Mm. You find you you anytime you have an interaction with that person, it's usually really negative. Mm-hmm. I think that we have to accept that people in our lives are making their own free choices. To live their lives in a certain way. Mm. And we cannot change everybody. Yeah. Not that we necessarily should, but, um, you know, we all have Christ and we know how great he is. I'm sure we all know people who don't, right? Like yeah. we can't force that on anybody. So, right. You uh, Just like you have to let somebody kind of be and you can pray for them as Paul was saying and trusting God in their eventual conversion and salvation, I think it goes the same way with a toxic person. Like, you don't have to engage mm-hmm. someone toxic and try to continue to encourage them or, you know, help them. Like, if they are toxic or even, like, uh, I think the devil is becoming more and more ingrained in society. Like, people are doing demonic things, mm-hmm. right? If they're choosing that, they're choosing that. We don't have to engage in that. You know, you could tell them, like, Hey, that's actually really dangerous. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do the crystal thing or the goddess thing or yeah, right. Like that's one version that, of to- toxicity. Yeah, yeah, like the demonic. But if that's what they're going to choose to do, and you gave them their warning, then then I don't think we have to continue to engage. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I love, you know, I think Aquinas' definition of love is important to keep in mind. It's love is willing the good of the other. So it's not an emotional thing and it doesn't yeah. mean giving them everything they want. So like, you know, if you have that brother-in-law who's constantly mooching off of you, well, the truly loving option is actually to tell him no. You know, right. if he refuses to respect that boundary, then you, you excise him out of your life. You know, and, and that can actually be the most loving option, even though it seems like it's not loving. You know, yeah. there's, some, there's some of this... Yeah, we're, we're called to love, not necessarily be kind, right? Like, that's not a... It's like when you punish a child, you're not being kind to the child in, like, the strict sense of the word kind. Yeah, maybe I would, use the word, I would use the word nice. Like, we, we're, nice. we don't have to always have to be nice. Aren't they synonyms? Um, maybe. maybe I'm just I, think nice, I think nice means being walked over by other people. Nice is someone who never makes controversy and never, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. puts their foot down on anything. Right. Right. Well, I think talking about boundaries, I think boundaries are important. Yeah. I think going to the people that are always downers. So there's a thing called, I've talked about it before on the program, but it's the big five personality traits. And Mm. two of the big five is neuroticism and agreeableness. And so people that are highly neurotic and neurotic, not meaning like you're crazy, but it's negative emotion, degree of negative emotion. So people Mm. that are highly neurotic and highly disagreeable tend to be rather unpleasant people i mean (laughs) and they're usually also not open so if they're like that's another trait like openness so if they're closed-minded neurotic and disagreeable oh that's the trifecta right there yeah Yeah. it's not those those are probably unpleasant people but they're still called to love and we're still called to love them so if you do find yourself attracted to somebody that not romantically but like attracted to this person because you want to help them then maybe you can find the things that make them more agreeable like the tasks or the like as a male, it's what we think, but like the activities, <laughs> the tasks, the things they want to talk about, the, int- the interests or whatever that you can do to, to pull out, you know, yeah. pull out the, the cases where they're agreeable or they're where they're less nervous or they're sure or they're more open and they can have enjoyable. Yeah. Like and you can well, work you, with people, too. Well, you know, I wonder if if it does. I think I think what you said is interesting that you, that you kind of like feel attracted to them in the sense of like you almost make that person your mission. Like I'm going to. I'm going to really pour my energy and my love into this person in the hopes that they can ex- encounter Christ's love through yeah, me. And, exactly. and that's a big investment. And some, some people are called to do that, but probably not with everybody, like one or two people. But right. I think yeah. the example... It's also, I think, another example of pride, though. If you think you can change someone... Oh, that's very true. Because it's not you, it's God. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm reminded of the example... I don't know if you ever read The Story of a Soul by St. Therese of Lisieux. Hmm? Who she talks about this nun that used to just drive her nuts, you mm-hmm. know, and and so she made it her life's mission to show extra charity to this nun, and so she'd go out of her way to include her in recreation and to, you know, to say kind things about her and, and everything possible to make her to try to soften her spirit. And of course, after she died, you know, they're interviewing everybody in the convent about, you know, did you know Saint Therese? And and this nun's like, oh, Saint Therese and I were best friends. For some reason, she really loved me. She had, you know, she's so attracted to my wonderful, winning personality. And then they went and read the, di- the biography, and she's like, "No, actually, I can't stand this nun." Yeah. But she did such a good job of of living out that mission of like, "You are my you are my ministry," right here. Yeah, that yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, and <laughs> I think yeah, really hard to do. Saint Therese and go really home. hard. That's why a lot of people don't. They love her. They don't like reading her stuff and not necessarily want to imitate her <laughs> right no <laughs> it's, her. it's just like oh she's so good or whatever yeah but she talks about like well i can't do that 
Like, I don't yeah, know. I, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I was at, I was I went to Franciscan University for college, and I had, there were some friends who were super devoted to uh, Teresa Lisieux. And one day it was like this rainy day, like forty degrees outside, freezing, awful. And we're walking to class, and I'm like, this this rain stinks. It's so miserable. And there's like. All weather is good weather. If it comes from the Lord, that's what St. Therese said. I'm like, I want to punch you across right, the exactly. right no, that's a great yeah, You're like, unhelpful, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, there was bad weather when she had tuberculosis. <laughs> it's like, it cold. All tuberculosis convent. is great if it comes from the Lord. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, you're still diving. It's bad. I would say, um, though, in that regard, I have noticed, I think a little more recently, like, I do think I am more patient and charitable, like, when I'm closer to just having gone to confession. Mm. And I'm not even talking, I'm not talking about mortal sin, but as my personality, I guess, comes back where I get frustrated or angered because of something somebody does to me, like mm. I, I think I'm pretty even keel and laid back and easygoing, but people do, I say, wrong me, right? Like do something wrong that impacts me, mm-hmm. whether it's I asked you to do this and you're helping me out and then you screw it up in some way. Right? Like things like that that Mm -hmm. happen in my life. And I react. And then I like lose my peace, even if it's just for a little bit. But the more that happens, I think the farther away from God I am. And then it just gets harder and harder and harder. And you go back to confession, or at least I think this has happened. And then I'm like re centered and peaced. And I can handle things better. Yeah. So, I mean, a religious sister would probably go every week, correct? Probably, yeah. And I understand there are challenges, like in any ministry, in any part of life. But my sense, though, is it is different if you're living in religious life in your vocation versus living in the world and just dealing with all sorts of things that we have. It's harder. But we we know we should go to confession regularly. So That's true. Because we really can't do this without God's grace exactly. to, to love as Christ loves. And Mary, right? Like Mary, I think, is the other person we should cling to here. I've often wondered how she did that. You know, I mean, she's, she's perfect, right? Exactly. And here, how is she walking around the marketplace hearing people curse or tell bad jokes or gossip? I mean, how does she... Just not engage. She, yeah, she just walked yeah. away. I mean, I don't know. How she My mom <laughs> says often that she thinks my dad's mom... Like is in heaven, right? We we don't know, right? But she's always said about my grandma Betty because of this peace that she always had in her and this mm. kindness and just a very virtuous woman. And I don't remember this. Like, I mean, she died when I was fourteen. I obviously remember my grandmother and like how loving she was and just joy. But I didn't notice that she had that. But my mom would say like, it didn't matter what the conversation would be in the room. Like if if it ever went to my grandma, she just say something like, well, he tries. You know what I mean? Like she could not engage Seeing in any of kind of yeah. evil, bad, degrading conversation. Oh, good for her. So I think of her and I often think of Mary, but I, I'm not that way. I, I suck myself in. And, and yeah. I know too, I shouldn't share, uh, you know, the bad qualities of others, like detraction, right? right. But I do. I, I mean, you guys know I do a lot. And so things do weigh me down and then yeah. things go wrong and then I'll vent. And I know I'm not supposed to, but it's like, could you believe this? Like, I just needed this one thing right. and it got screwed up. And, you know, so I try. That's one of the so things hard. I really wrestle with as a teacher is because there are times when you have to talk about a student to another teacher. And, and when does it cross the line into gossip? You know, because there's a lot of legitimate, like, hey, this kid's struggling in this area and it's really, you know, did some really bad stuff in class or whatever. Like, I don't know if 
Sometimes well, what's they, the intentionality of why you're saying it? Honestly, sometimes the vent. Right? Yeah, there sometimes you go. the vent. And, but you're supposed to vent to God, right? Yeah. Vent to no, God. you're right. You're right. Which seems weird. Is it? it does. It just seems weird. But <laughs> well, I, I've tried to, to start to do that in, like, in my car like, is, if I'm annoyed. Like, well, venting to God is prayer, isn't it? Yes, it is. It was being raw and honest with him, and he knows everything anyway. And so. he wants to hear that too. He does. Yeah, but some people process externally. Maybe it bothers other people. Maybe it's people being difficult. But there's some people that can't. I mean, I guess you could do it to God, but there's, there's like. It, it does feel better. After people have to. Right? Sometimes you just need an ear, and it doesn't even mean anything. Yeah. So if I vent, it's to, still a sin, though. It's intentionality, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's it's just, sin. If you're like, just venting the vent. Like, I, don't, I process everything internally, so I'm not like the biggest culprit of this. But I know people that they just cannot do anything inside their own head. It has to be yeah, done. I know people ex- like that. <laughs> it's done, it has to be done externally. It has to be done to somebody else externally in order for them to process it. Speaking, so speaking like, of the people that bother me, okay. true extroverts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. I'm like, yo, calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've gotten better at that because I'm very introverted. Yeah, you like, are. Very introverted. Yeah. Although I'm outgoing introvert. Yeah, yeah. As am I. Yeah. But can we talk about one of your frustrations? I know. Please. Traffic driving. Yes. <laughs> You've mentioned it many times. Yes, that's my big weakness. It is. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm so in Stanford. We're sitting in Stanford right now. Stanford has grown by 15, 12, 15 percent in the past 10 years or something. We're That's now the second largest city in Connecticut. Second used, largest now. Used wow. to be Bridgeport, New Haven, Stanford. Now it's Bridgeport, Stanford, New Haven. Well, Hartford's up there somewhere. Sorry. No, Hartford's not. Hartford's, Hartford's tiny. Really? Yeah. It's Hartford's oh. Well, I mean, it's big, but it's small compared to the other cities. In any case. Interesting. Didn't so we now have like thousands more cars on the road in Stanford than we did like pre-pandemic. Yeah. And no and, better roads. And the roads haven't changed. No. In fact, they don't grow with the with the number of cars. No, they don't. And they and, should. <laughs> and the drivers also come in from not Stanford, not from Fairfield County. AKA New York. Or we don't Massachusetts like or somewhere. And they don't know how to drive. Just kidding, all you New York listeners. They they don't know how to drive. And it's just oh, it's just and then they have the two people from Massachusetts going the same speed on the merit. At 60 miles per hour. No, you can't go other. 60 miles an hour on the Merit. No, it's 70, 70 or minimum. 50. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Two lanes. Pick one. Yeah. And so uh, those things really irritate me. So I empathize with that. See, I'm getting to the point, though, in seeing those slow drivers as that could potentially be my guardian angel protecting me from a crash. It's true. It's true. I now am yeah. so <laughs> paranoid. <laughs> I'm so paranoid about traffic because it's gotten so bad where I build in so much buffer. I yeah. get to, I get, I'm very early at a lot of places now. It has gotten I bad. just, oh, it's just so I've bad. learned all the back roads between Stanford and Monroe, which is not about easy. only 25 miles. But I'll tell you, that's, that's a really windy 25 miles because it's not easy. There's oh, yeah. no straight way. You have to go, like, go through Weston? Because there's, there's two giant reservoirs in between here and there. So you have to go around the reservoirs. It's very Yeah, that's really hard. It's, it's challenging. But it's also a very beautiful drive, I will say. Yeah. So, all right, last question. Last question. St. Jose Maria Escriva, who I really love, he said that, don't say, this person annoys me. Say, rather, this person sanctifies me. Mm. Have you ever been able to see some difficult people as a gift in your life? Yeah, I'd say so. Good. I know that they are. I I know that it's um, a process of sanctification, but I really struggle. Yeah, I, I get annoyed. I I feel like I have like this patience tolerance that raises and raises and raises and I'm I'm patient, I'm patient, and then I just I hit the limit mm. and then it's done. And oftentimes if you know, 
once I'm like over, if it's a really stressful or frustrating thing, I can't typically recover like that day. I'm just, I'm done. So yeah. it's, it's really hard. Um, yeah. For me, I've, I have, um, I had, a, I had a friend in seminary who used to say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me in this way, whenever something went wrong in his life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me in this way. And I also thought it was a really great response. And I'm starting to, to say that when, when I see certain people approaching me, you know, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, help me make the most of it. Yeah, there's a book, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. It's a uh, little- Jean-Claude- Something, not Jean-Claude Van Damme, but- no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who's he again? He's an actor. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, any case, um, so I forget, it's French, French authors, um, but- it's an excellent book, and it talks all about that. Like when somebody when somebody commits a sin against you, that's a gift to you. It's just their sin, but it's a gift to you, and you have to be thankful for that. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's by uh, Claude de la, Claude La Colombière and Jean Baptiste Saint de Jour. Okay, there you go. Blah, that was a mouthful. Yeah, I don't remember that because obviously I don't remember it. Well, that's really that's a great perspective. And, and St. Augustine says that when it says in the Bible that all things work for good for those who love God, he says all things include sin. Mm. Because, and obviously we don't want to intentionally sin, but our, even our sin is an opportunity for another person to practice patience, kindness, generosity, whatever it is. And also for us to recognize God's mercy. Yeah. I mean, how many parents have been on their knees because of a child who's gone wayward? Oh, you know, it, so, yeah. so many parents, right? I mean, how many... How many? Yeah, I mean, how many people have prayed for the conversion of sinners? And if there were no sinners, there'd be no no one to offer sacrifices for. Mm-hmm. And I so. would say I can recognize in myself that I have a tendency to want to make the person who did the wrong or something or is being difficult, like realize they're being difficult, mm. or like you know, Does that work? correct them, but like not exactly directly. No, it doesn't work at all because a lot of times they can't <laughs> handle it. Like whatever their difficulty is, is like something that they're struggling with. And so if you just like shine a light on it, that that's going to be terrible right. for very, them. Very few people are humble enough to accept correction. That too. And I, I struggle with that, of course. I think everybody does. See, I allow myself like a period of defense because I need it. So I allow myself, like I give myself patience to be defensive of myself. And then I am able to not be defensive. Okay, so you have to like process it by being defensive, then you think about it, and then you're like, okay, that was... Yeah, exactly. No, it's actually true. I've had to learn how to do that. Hmm. Because otherwise, if you if I don't, I just lock up. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I don't process it. I think that's our natural reaction is to, to yeah. not so I've, listen I've, to it. I've learned that I can give myself a small period of defensiveness, and then it's enough that gets me over. It's like the catalyst for then actually processing. Yeah, Being open, maybe. Yeah, being open. Some truth yeah. in what was said. Sure. But it's hard. Uh, yeah, and I want to get to the point where I can thank God and thank them for Yeah, for yeah absolutely. And yeah. the the prayer that you said, I mean, those moments that we could have just between us and Jesus, I think are pretty precious. So if you look at it that way, like, you know, this person's really annoying me, but I'm going to do my best to not let them know. And yeah. this is for you, Jesus. Like, yeah. And that as St. Therese grow. once said, she was bathed in perspiration trying to withhold her her anger and frustration. God bless her, but she did such a successful job that she's a saint. So thank you for joining us in this episode of Restless. Just remember that sometimes we probably annoy Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
our love, our Lord's love for us is absolutely uh, unconditional, and He calls us to love our neighbor in the same way, even the ones that are challenging, because they are the ones who can make us the greatest saints. Tune into our next episode of Restless coming up next Friday. And it's on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. Hey, everybody. This is producer Matt. If you liked this week's episode of Restless and want to help the show grow, please rate us, review us, and subscribe on your preferred platform. God bless. God bless.